here's what was on my heart today for you. Uh, so let's just pray before, um, before we got started. Like, you know, we've talked about setting an environment. You know, I, I've told you, I told you a little bit about that beforehand. Uh, and when I mean beforehand, I mean when the semester kind of got started. Just about why we have this room cleared, uh, that you fellowship out there. And then at any point during that time, you want to come in here before uh, and, and start to really focus yourself. Uh, start to really um, kind of put away uh, things that are, that are calling at your attention and really focus on the Lord. Ask the Lord uh, to speak and, and really just make this, this environment a place of uh, just a reception, like where we want to we hear the Lord and we want to uh, uh, appraise the environment. So what we've been talking about, um, and, and we've kind of learned it, kind of not, uh, and that's fine, we're, we're learning. Um, but here's what was on my heart this morning. It's like, even while you're sitting here and, and we've kind of laughed and had fun, but um, I, there, is, there is right now over all of us, there is, a, um, there is a, a fight. And the fight right now is a fight for your attention. And it's simple. I mean, it's, it's, it's seriously simple. And, and each of you, if you would think about this, you would, you would let's, just be, let's just be people who recognize the fight, okay? Because your flesh... Uh, your flesh has its own agenda, has its own ideas, has its own thought processes, okay? A lot of that in, in, involves what's coming up this week, uh, what's, what's gone on yesterday, what, went, what happened last night, what, uh, what didn't happen this morning, what, what, you know what I mean? So it's like there's thought processes uh, that, are, that are going on uh, that your flesh wants you to uh, give all of your attention to, Right? Your flesh is saying, please serve me, please attend to me, think about me, let me be the focus of attention, right? And at some level, all of us are in that battle. And I'm just telling you, if you'll just stop and think about it, you'll recognize it. But then there's this other piece, remember I said it's a, it's a fight, so there's two sides to a fight. There's this other piece uh, where this, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is, is saying, listen to me. He's going, okay, because I, I have truth to speak to you that, that I'm not, I'm not going to alienate your circumstance, but I have truth to speak into your life that will uh, guide you and walk with you in your circumstance. I have answers for what you think if I focus on, I can figure out. Does that make sense? Does that make, does that make sense? And so it's like our fight this morning uh, is, uh, is, is really, really simple. Uh, but it's, it's for you to say, okay, let me, just, let me just recognize these two things. Let me recognize the desire of my flesh to be selfish and to uh, get consumed about what I'm in right now. And let's recognize also the desire of the Lord to transform me into the image of Christ. And because of that, he has deposits of truth that he wants to uh, lay on us this morning. Does that make sense? And so all we got to do, and all I'm asking for you is that in your recognition of the fight, uh, pick a side. It's like, this is, the, the, the simplistic piece of it is, is that if you want to hear the Lord, then listen to the Lord, right? I mean, that's easy. Uh, if, if you want to tend your flesh, then tend your flesh, uh, but you'll miss, you'll miss uh, what the Lord has uh, over you. So just, just like pause, and I'm going to pray over you, and just pause, and in your recognition of the fight, just say, Lord, I want to hear you. I don't want to listen to my flesh. I want to hear you. And then just like recognize that he's okay with that, and we'll speak to you. This is not a hard thing. We've made this way too hard. <laughs> this is not hard. Just say, Lord, I want to hear you. Listen, and he'll speak. Does that, does that make sense? Okay, so I'm going to pray over you. Lord, I just pray that um, just simply, um, 
that we would be people who recognize the fight, who recognize the desire of our flesh, but also recognize the desire of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit that you yourself confess would lead us into all truth. And so here's what, here's what we're asking, Lord, is that we would see truth this morning, um, that we would see you, that we would see truth this morning, that we would choose truth, and that we would allow that truth uh, to lead us in all we do, that we would not be people who just react to what the world throws at us, right? But that we would be people who, who move in obedience to your spirit and walk based on the truth by faith and not by sight. In Jesus' name, amen. You good? All right, so I hope you're listening because the Lord's going Lord's to speak. Lord, do it. Speak to us. Leviticus 23, we've been there for nine weeks now because we did Sabbath twice, Passover twice, six, seven, eight, 10 weeks. And we'll be there for one more. Um, this is a big one. Uh, like in, in modern Judaism, this is the biggest one. Remember, I, when we talked about Passover, I told you that Passover was the, the biggest one, and it, and it is in, context, in, in this context. Um, but as far as just celebration goes and what's going on now, uh, this is the big boy. It's, anybody know what the Day of Atonement is called? Anybody? You ever heard of Yom Kippur? This is this is Kippur is atonement. So this is the this is the Day of Atonement. Anybody ever heard of the Yom Kippur War? Who said yes? Somebody said yes. What what happened? Do you do you have? Are you just heard of it or are you? Yeah. Yeah. So Egypt decides uh, this is how we're gonna this is how we're gonna get them. <laughs> this is how we're gonna get Israel is that, that on the Day of Atonement, which we're gonna read here uh, on the Day of Atonement, it was like uh, there there is no work at all. I mean, it is the it is the most serious Sabbath uh, Sabbaths of all. I don't know if I said that right. It's the most serious Sabbaths of all Sabbaths. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> right. And so Egypt's got this idea, okay, we're going to attack them on that day. And this is just history. This, uh, we'll go to Leviticus 23 in a second. But uh, the mistake that they made, one, is that the Lord's on their side. Okay, so there's trouble there. Uh, but but number, number two is they didn't realize that, yes, they're all not doing anything, but they're also all together. And they can mobilize extremely quickly because they're all together. <laughs> So Egypt attacks, they're all together. It's like, okay, army's already assembled. Everybody just go get your guns, and, and Egypt lost. Um, it's a cool war. The Lord has defended Israel miraculously. and uh, you, you would be blessed by just doing a history lesson. Like, it's ridiculous how small Israel is. And the times that they've been attacked and the ways in which they've won. I heard a story... Uh, I'm just rambling, but that's okay. I heard a story uh, about a guy, uh, he was a believer, uh, and he was, uh, he was in the Israeli army, um, and he's leading this, this battalion. Uh, and, and I believe it was, uh, I, I'm trying to think of what war it was in, I don't remember. But anyway, uh, they had got, they'd gone too far. They had messed up, and they'd gone too far into, into a battle zone that they were not supposed to be in, and it was a small amount of, uh, of people. They were not supposed to be there, and they got caught. And so all of a sudden, shells start flying. It's this small amount of guys. There's one believer in the whole group. 
And this one believer is, this is crazy. I, just put yourself in this situation. This guy knows Jesus, and, and, uh, and in war, he's smart enough to say this. I'm not going to lead by my flesh. I'm not going to walk with these men in my flesh. I'm going to be led by the Spirit. And he says, Jesus, I need help. Get me out of here. And the Lord says, follow the light. Move your men where you see the light. It's a true story. And so every time that this light would appear, it's, it's completely black, there's shells falling on her. Every time this light would appear, he, this guy just says, listen, okay, when, when I move, you move. And the light would appear, and everybody would run to the left, and a shell would hit where they were standing. And the light would appear, and they would run to the right, and a shell would hit where they, where they were standing. And, and I'm, just, I'm just telling you that because, uh, one, I think it's incredible, the faithfulness of the Lord. But two, I'm telling you that because... Um, it's, it, is, it is possible, it is absolutely possible for us to, be, to, for us to engage the Lord with that amount of desperation uh, that, that where our life hangs in the balance, our faithfulness takes over uh, and we walk by faith and not by sight. That's cool. That's really, really, really cool. And, and the, the thing about that is don't make that just a story about somebody else. The reality is that's the same uh, faithful God that lives and breathes uh, over you. Uh, that was in that moment. Just cool. Anyway, Lord's faithful. Uh, Leviticus 23. So here we go. This is Yom Kippur. This is a big day. What, was, what were the 10 days called before that? Do we have my uh, calendar on that? I may not. We may not have it. Okay, we do. Let's go forward one more. It'll show. Yeah. So we talked last time about the Feast of Trumpets, and we blew the shofar, and, uh, and then uh, we have these 10 days of awe, and then the Day of Atonement. Or Yom Kippur, and what, what's going on in Israel in these um, these ten days is they're they're going over the last year, and it's only a year because every year Yom Kippur happens. So they're going over the last year, and they're counting their transgressions, like literally for ten days. They're thinking of all the bad things that they did, and I'm not just talking about like uh, bad things culturally. I'm talking about violations of the law. There's six hundred and something commandments. Okay, they're going over a year to see how many times they they violated these 600 and something uh, commandments. And they're making a list of these things because on the Day of Atonement uh, on Yom Kippur, they are going to uh, ask the Lord to atone. They're going to make sacrifice Uh, again. This was that was in temple times, but there was to be sacrifice made that the Lord would atone for all of their sins. This is a very, very, very sober, very serious, serious time in Israel, okay? Uh, Yom Kippur is not taken lightly. It's like um, uh, on Easter and Christmas, you know how we like all show up to church on Easter and Christmas? That everyone participates here because of the weight and the magnitude of what this means because your, your life, your eternal life is in the balance here. If atonement is not made, uh, there is possibility that you will not be written in the book of life. Uh, And absent being written in the book of life, there is no life. Uh, And so this is not something taken lightly. Uh, This is very, very serious um, time, these 10 days leading up to Yom Kippur. Um, So let's get going quickly. Here we go. We're going to read about it uh, here in Leviticus 23. uh, We're going to start in verse 26. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, on exactly the 10th day of this seventh month, seventh month is the day of atonement. It shall be a holy convocation for you. I'm in verse 26. I don't know if I told you that. 
uh, and you shall humble, humble your souls and present an offering by fire to the Lord. You shall not do any work on this same day, for it is a day of atonement, to make atonement on your behalf before the Lord your God. If there's any person who will not humble himself on this same day, and this is some of the seriousness of it, he shall be cut off from his people. As for any person who does any work on this same day, that person I will destroy from among his people. You shall do no work at all. It is to be a perpetual statute throughout your generations in all your dwelling places. It is to be a Sabbath of complete rest to you, and you shall humble your souls. On the ninth of the month at evening, from evening until evening, you shall keep this Sabbath. Okay, really, really simple. What's the day for? Atonement, right? Very good. <laughs> day of atonement. This is, this is a day for atonement. Um, and what, uh, what do you see is, what is atonement? Anybody? Just like dictionary definition? Okay, that's good. That's a good synonym. Anything else in there that you feel like? Do what? Yeah, okay, paying for sins, like uh, in the context of a debt owed, it's payment, right? Atone for, and, and in, I think if we mush those two words together, we would really find the heart of this definition. It's like, it's, it's a payment for, uh, a, it, it's a covering of what, want, of what was. Does that make sense? You good? You got a good definition? You're grinning like you got a great definition. Go for it. Yeah, the, the, the payment of sin. It's like if, if, if something is owed, uh, this is the payment, okay? This is the atonement, paying for what is owed. And what was owed here is there is, there is uh, a price that must be paid for sin, right? For, and we're going to read what, what the Lord prescribes. Uh, so go to, go to Leviticus 16. I want to show you this real quick. Okay, Leviticus 16. Uh, where am I? Let's see. Let's go to verse... You know what? Let's not do that. Okay, for your notes. If you take notes, you're like, I'm not taking notes. Verse, or chapter 16 is a very, very, very detailed process for what had to be gone through by the high priest on the day of atonement. I'm going to read a few sections of that in just a second, but I'm going to give you a, uh, a summary here. And, and this is just, this is taken from this book, Feast of Faith. It's a, it's a good book, but they do a good job of, uh, of kind of highlighting what, uh, what the process was. Okay, you ready? So this is essentially chapter 16 in, uh, in what would go on here. So during the temple times, the high priest separated himself from his family for a week in preparation for the service he must render on the Day of Atonement. During this week, the other leaders of the law would go over with him exactly what was required of him for this day. On the Day of Atonement, he chose the lot to determine which goat was from the Lord and which was for the scapegoat. We're going to read about that in just a second. The Lord said, I want two goats. One is for me and one is a scapegoat. They're both for me, but one is, and we're going to talk about that. Then he tied the crimson wool on one of the goats. 
the high priest actually entered the Holy of Holies several times on this day. You know, we, we, when we read, it's like a lot of times you get the idea that they only went in once. Well, th- this is the day that they go in, but they go in several times. So the Lord says, come in, sacrifice this, fling blood here, come out, sacrifice this, come back in. So it's, there's a lot of movement in and out. But this is the day that the high priest went into the Holy of Holies, okay? Um, he offered the bull for a sin offering for himself and for his family took coal from the altar where he offered that sacrifice and carried it in the fire pan into the Holy of Holies. He then poured two handfuls of incense on the coals, got the blood of the bull which he had sacrificed and returned to the Holy of Holies to sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat. He went back out, sacrificed the goat that was for the Lord and went back in and sprinkled this blood on the mercy seat. Then he left the mercy seat mixed the bull's blood and the goat's blood together and sprinkled this on the horn of the altar. He would then go out, and here's uh, in verse 21, lay both of his hands on the head of the live goat, remember I said there's two, and confess over it all the iniquities of the sons of Israel and all their transgressions in regards uh, to their sins. And he shall lay them on the head of the goat and send it away into the wilderness by the hand of the man who stands in readiness. And the goat shall bear on itself all their iniquities to a solitary land. And he shall release the goat into the wilderness. So I want us to look again. Now, now we're in Leviticus uh, 16. It kind of gave you an overview. Look, look at verse 7. This is on the Day of Atonement. This is what would happen uh, as, as the people of Israel, the high priest is making atonement for the people of Israel. He will take two goats... This is verse 7. And present them before the Lord at the doorway of the tent of meeting. Aaron shall cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat. Then Aaron shall offer the goat on which the lot for the Lord fell and make it a sin offering. Why? What do we look at in Passover? What's important about the death of this goat? What, What comes out of that death? What do you think? What's important? Let's get graphic. What happens when he kills the goat? Thank you. What's important? What's always important? What does the Lord say about about sacrifice? What's the necessary part of sacrifice? There has to be blood, right? Because blood represents life. And so the Lord requires this blood for the atonement of sin. And so it's no wonder that here he says, okay, you've got to choose two goats. One of those has got to be sacrificed, okay? We're talking about sin. We're talking about the covering of sin. There has to be blood. Does this make sense? So one gets sacrificed. But the goat on which the lot fell for the scapegoat. Have you ever heard that word before? You hear it in the media sometimes, and uh, where I mean, I don't know, maybe that's it, but you've, you've heard that before. It's kind of become a phrase. Hello, that's where it came from, right? But the goat on which the lot for the scapegoat fell shall be presented alive before the Lord. So it's still being presented before the Lord to make atonement upon it and send it into the wilderness as a scapegoat. And we're going to skip a little bit because, obviously, because this is a process. And so uh, he's going to con- tell him what to do after. But I want to go back to this piece about the scapegoat. Go to verse 21. So the one goat is sacrificed. 
There's the blood covering. And then hands are laid on the live goat. And to make atone, it says to, to place the atonement on this goat. So really what is happening is Aaron is confessing the sins of Israel while he's got... <laughs> he's got his hands on the head of this goat. And literally what's happening is he... This is the transfer. He's confessing the sin. I'm not calling you a goat, by the way. <laughs> he's confessing. Sorry. I don't know. I got this urge to like show you that. Um, sorry. He puts his hands on the head of this goat and he's confessing the sins of Israel on the head of this goat. What's, what's, the, what's the visualization here? That literally the goat is taking upon itself the sins. Does that make sense? There's like a transfer here. Now everybody's afraid that I'm going to put my hands on the head. Like I walk over here and people are like, don't touch my head. There's a transfer. Go to verse 21, and we're going to see it. Then Aaron shall lay both of his hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the iniquities of the sons of Israel and all their transgressions in regard to all their sins. And he shall lay them on the head of the goat and send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a man who stands in readiness. Now, I, I want to talk about something real quick. Because I think that the concept, when we look at Christ and we look at the idea that he could take on our sins, I think sometimes it disconnects because we're like, I don't understand how that would happen. How can, the, how can there be a transfer of sin from one man to another? This is my sin. How can he take it? Does this make sense? Like, have, you ever, have you ever thought about that? I think sometimes this is kind of like the, this, uh, this idea that we're just not real comfortable with. And we, when we talk to people, we're like, Jesus took your sin. And that just, it, it doesn't connect. It's like, how? The, the, the word is very explicit here. That there can be a transfer of sin. Like, that literally there can be a transfer of, of guilt, right? A price had to be paid. It's like if, uh, Michael, if, if I owed you money. And if the owing is what matters, right? Does that make sense? I owe him money, and that's what's important. If, if, if Bryce goes and pays Michael my debt, does it matter that Bryce paid it? It's paid, right? Because it's not important what pays it, but it's important that it gets paid, right? Does this make sense? Now, there's requirements uh, in which it, could, it would be paid. It would be like, uh, so blood is required. Right? It would be foolish if, if I owed Michael in U.S. dollars and he came and paid him in pesos, right? It doesn't work. It's not the right transaction. You can't pay the debt that, 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 that's not, uh, not correct in the, the stipulation set for that debt, right? The Lord requires a blood covering and he requires the, the requirements of a perfect sacrifice for that blood covering to be met. But this is how Jesus could pay it. Because what mattered was the debt. Somebody owes it. Somebody owes the debt. What's, not, what's important here is not necessarily that we owed it, but that it's owed. This is how Jesus could take our debt. Because literally, a price had to be paid. He, was, he just said, I'm going to step in and pay it. Okay, this is what we see here. The goat shall bear on itself all their iniquities to a solitary land. And he shall release the goat into the wilderness. So here's what I want to look at, a few things. Go to 2 Corinthians. And we're going to do some jumping around in Scripture here, so get ready. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Somebody just get there. Chapter 5, at verse, uh, verse 21. 
Here's the idea here. Don't read it yet, but when you get there, just be ready to read. Uh, Somebody else go to Isaiah 53. Okay. Somebody at Isaiah 53? Anybody? When you get there, just... Okay. Okay. So here's what we're going to look at. I want to show you the this scapegoat, okay? I, I want to show you how this, and we've already talked about, the reason I'm not talking in extent about the goat that's sacrificed is because we've already talked about the blood, okay? In Passover, we talked about the blood. You understand, I feel like, uh, conceptually, you get this, this idea of the blood. This idea of the scapegoat, though, is foreign to us. We, have you ever, did you know that that was in Scripture? Like, have we ever looked at this process, and, and this, is, this is what talks about uh, the, uh, another element of what Christ did, Okay? He paid the price, but he also did something, okay? So what happens to the goat? What's placed on the goat? Literally, what we see here is this idea, and this is a a scriptural idea, of the the bearing, something else bearing sins. Like, sins being placed on something else. And here we see the goat, okay? Read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. What do you see there? Read it one more time. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What happened? This, who's this talking about? Jesus. For our sake, he made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to what? To be sin on our behalf. What did the goat do? Nothing. This goat was not guilty. But the goat became sin on their behalf. How did it happen? By the transfer. Do you see that? Aaron, Aaron confesses over this goat the sins of the people, and the goat bears the sins of the people. Do you see that? You need to see that. I'm, I'm not going to lecture a ton on this. I just want you to see this in Scripture. I, just want, to, I want you to see this play out. So what do we see here? He, li- he literally bears our sin. He became what we were so that we would become the righteousness of God. What's the purpose of this day of atonement? So that the people of Israel would be clean before God. This makes sense? Now, it happened every year. We're going to look at why it doesn't happen every year now. But, but do you see this? There was a cleansing. There was a righteousness made uh, possible on this day of atonement. He became sin who knew no sin. He became what you were so that you would stand holy and blameless before God. Who's at Isaiah 53? Okay, I'm going to tell you verses to read, okay? Are you going to be able to jump around? Jump around? Verse 4. Read it again. Come on. You should, maybe you should go there. Like, look at what's being prophesied in Isaiah 53. This is before Christ. This is, he's speaking of the Messiah, and he's saying, this is the guy. Remember the scapegoat? This is the guy that's going to be that. This is the one that's going to bear what we owe. Do you see this? Read verse 6. Come on, again. What happens? What does this Messiah character do? 
He takes the iniquity of us all. He bears what we owe. Read verse 11. Like over and over and over the prophet Isaiah. He's, this is not, in our Christian Western world, we think that these are concepts and ideas. This is real, right? This is not theory of bearing sin. This is actually what happens. Does this make sense? The prophet Isaiah is speaking into a nation of people who understand the idea of a transfer because every single year they desire to be clean before the Lord and every year there's a sacrifice made and every year, do you see this, there's a scapegoat. Every year there's a transfer of what they owe onto this goat and the goat leaves. And Isaiah is saying, look, there's one coming that will take all of it. This is not a theory. This was set forth in the beginnings of the heart of God for this to occur, for him to send his son, for him to bear it for us. We have disconnected from it as a church. We've disconnected from it because we don't see the roots of it. We don't see the actual transaction that takes place. Read verse 12. Do you see it? Like, I don't feel like I need to get excited after every time. <laughs> Do you see it? Where did they take the goat? Where did they take the scapegoat? Did they keep him in the Holy of Holies? They presented him before the Lord. Aaron lays hands on the scapegoat. The scapegoat uh, then is what? It's, it says it. He's, he's released. He's led off by, it just kind of has this like random dude. Uh, there who leads him off right into the wilderness he goes outside outside the gate right see the tabernacle uh, was very primitive this is this is it's a it's a big tent right and it's surrounded by a uh by a wall of cloth okay it's it's, why because they're in the wilderness they're moving quickly it's got to be taken down and moved quickly okay so they would take this live scapegoat bearing the sins outside the gate. And here's the idea. He would get lost in the wilderness. What happens? I mean, this is not like, let's not be fairy tale. What's going to happen to this goat? He's dead. Soon as that goat leaves, he's good as dead. He cannot survive in the wilderness by himself. In, in temple times, you know what they would do? They would, uh, when the temple is in Jerusalem, so we're not talking about tabernacle anymore they would they would when they would release the scapegoat they wouldn't just like release him into jerusalem that would be kind of weird uh they would they would take him off uh into the wilderness and they'd push him off a cliff just to make the process faster because he could live in jerusalem right right yeah that would be kind of creepy but <laughs> the scapegoat wanders back into town because somebody's like taking it in as their pet right just <laughs> This is not the idea. They had to, because, why? Because death is understood. In the wilderness, they didn't have to do this. Death was understood. They sent him knowing he was going to die. They just expedited it in temple times, but, but they killed him because it had to happen. 
Death was part of it. It wasn't just a release. It was death. Death had to happen. Why? Because then that thing, look at this, that thing which carried the sins of these people died. What happened to the sin? They're done. This is atonement. There was payment made. Do you see this? So they tie a red yarn on the goat. Um, and, and in temple times, they would, uh, they, would, they would also hang a piece of red yarn. And the, uh, they, well, they did this in both tabernacle and temple, but the, the red yarn would occur, and uh, they, the people of Israel would know when the goat died because the red yarn would turn white. It's documented. Right? This is, this is, you, can, you can read it, okay? The red yarn would, would turn white. When they, that's how they know when they released him in the wilderness when he would die. And it's also documented that, that in, in temple times when they would push the goat over the cliff, the red yarn would turn white. When death occurred, the red would become white. Go to Hebrews chapter 13. And I want, you to, I want to show you two things. And then somebody else... Uh, oh, stay in Isaiah 53. Will you stay there? Uh, and somebody else go to Isaiah 1. And somebody else, let's go to Hebrews 13. Where, where, did, where did this goat suffer? Somebody read Hebrews 13, 12. Read it out loud, 13, 12. Hebrews 13, 12. Come on, what happened? What happened on the hill? It says that Jesus also, Hebrews 13, 12 says, Jesus also suffered outside the gate. What happened? That Jesus was, the cross was placed on him, but he was led outside of the gate. I've, I, I've been to the tomb. I've, I've seen the, the, the place, the idea of where he, where he died. It is outside of the city gate. Our scapegoat also suffered outside the gate. Who's in Isaiah 1? Read Isaiah 1, 18. Come on. Again, Isaiah is not like thinking, what would be a good example? I'll tell them about red and white. They know what this means. <coughs> he says, don't you see this? He's speaking about, I mean, this is what's going to happen. It's going to go from red, and they understand this as a miracle. It's going to go from red to white. Though your sins are like scarlet, he's going to make them white. As some translations say, white as wool. This is what they used, wool. With his what? What? With his what? Do you see that? What's what's tied to the goat? A stripe. A red stripe representing the sins of the people. Do you see this? And they say, and Isaiah says, I mean, he's, he's speaking into what they already know, and he says, by his stripes, you're going to be healed. And literally, Jesus bore stripes from the lashings. Do you see this? We saw that in Passover too. What did the bread look like? 
It had what? Stripes. It was also what? Pierced. There's no accidents here in Scripture. Listen, Jesus, Jesus came and, and God knew exactly what culture he would die in. He knew the tor- Think about this. He described the torture that Jesus would receive way back here before Roman crucifixion was ever a thing. And he knew exactly what his son would look like battered with your junk. Do you see that? He knew what it would look like when somebody put glass in a whip and beat the smoke out of somebody. He knew the stripes that it would cause. He knew what it would be like when there was nails the size of like your arm going through his hands. It's not like a pin prick where you can't even see the hole. Literally, they would gauge his hands. You see that? And he, and he spoke it right here. I'm not mad. I'm just like, come on. The, the best historical document that we, um, or historical writings that we have about kind of when Jesus was alive was this guy named Flavius Josephus. Anybody ever heard that name? Uh, extremely prolific writer and Jewish historian. He writes, uh, and, it is, and it is recorded, that at the same time, and, he, and he, he, let's see, he writes this when the temple falls, I've got to make sure my math's right. He writes this when the temple falls, and in the Talmud you can see that uh, 40 years at, before the temple fell, they record this miraculous event. What's, the, what's 40 years before the temple fell? The temple fell in 70. 40 years before is what? 30. Anybody know when Jesus died? 30. A.D. They record this miraculous event. Now remember, when Jesus was alive, there was still a temple. So this is still going on. And they record that in 30 A.D., and it's like, the pieces, I don't know if they've just not connected or what, but in 30 AD, the red stopped turning white. It's documented. The red ribbon uh, wool stopped turning white. What was happening? Who had died? The perfect sacrifice has been made. What's no longer accepted? The animal is no longer accepted because the son has died. Do you see? I mean, this is history. I, it's in the town. I mean, you can look it up. Josephus records that in 30 AD, the, the red wool stopped turning white because the price had been paid. There was no longer a reason for sacrifice. It had been done. Have you ever seen Jesus like this before? I, so we got to know here, does he qualify? Does Jesus qualify as the high priest? Because there's some pretty intense stuff. And we've seen, now we've seen the scapegoat, but we also see Aaron as the high priest. In 1632, uh, Leviticus 1632, if you're close, you can go. But it says, so the priest, now watch this. Jesus is also our high priest. Isn't it cool how Jesus just decides, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to just be the scapegoat. I'm going to be the scapegoat. I'm going to be the sin offering. I'm going to be the high priest. Isn't that crazy? He says, so the priest who is anointed. Who, what does is, what is, uh, Messiah mean? The anointed one. 
So the priest who is anointed and ordained to serve as the priest in whose place? His father's place. It says his father's place shall make atonement. He shall thus put on what? Linen garments. And I, 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 we're running out of time. I could go there, but what, is, what was Jesus laughed, wrapped in? John nineteen forty. Linen. Whose son was he? God's. Whose, whose place was he serving in? His father's. Was he anointed? What happens when he gets baptized? Come on. Go to Hebrews 7. All right, you, gotta, you just got to see this. I think it all comes together right here. Hebrews 7. And, and this is fascinating. Uh, you, you should really, in light of what we've been studying, you should really dig into Hebrews. You, you will be amazed at what you understand based on some of this stuff. But Hebrews 7, verse 26. Now watch this. This is why the red no longer turned white. For it was fitting for us to have such a high priest. And he's just made this case how Jesus qualifies uh, for, the, for the priesthood. Okay? He's talking about the order that he served in. Anyway, verse 26. For it was fitting for us to have such a high priest, holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens, who does not need daily, like those high priests, to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins. Remember, it says for Aaron's, to atone for himself and his family. It says Jesus didn't need to offer for his own sins. Why? Because he was perfect. And for the sins of the people, because this he did, what is, what is this phrase? Once for all, when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men as high priests who are weak, but the word of the oath, which came after the law, appoints a son made perfect forever. Don't be fooled. Your sin is covered. Don't be fooled and become so consumed with what you're in right now that you think that there has not been atonement made for your sin. It is done and it is covered. It was finished on the cross. I, in, in every single possible way. Did Jesus carry his cross the whole way? I'm just saying, like, it, I, I'm just showing you the detail in which this happened. Did Jesus carry his cross the whole way? What happened? There was an appointed bystander, Simon of Cyrene. What did he do? He carried the cross. Who, what, what happens with a scapegoat? Do they just kick him out and say, go? Somebody leads him out. They, he, a, a bystander is appointed to lead the scapegoat out into the wilderness. Simon of Cyrene picked up Christ's cross and walked him outside into the wilderness to his death. No detail has been left out. There is no loophole. There is nothing missing. Your sin is covered. The red no longer turned white because Jesus paid every single bit of it. And I'm not, look, I'm not bashing on us because I get in these modes all the time, somehow being deceived to the point where I think that somehow the cross was not enough over me. Get behind me, Satan. 
There could be nothing further than from the truth. It was ordained in the heart of God what would be required, and then he fulfilled it because he knew that we couldn't. So he sent his son to do it perfectly. How, how could this not bring us running to that cross? Do you see that? Like, how could, we, how could we be unmoved and how could we not go preach that gospel? Come on. I, wanna, I just I want to tell you, seriously, and this is not like cliche ending moment because I'm not finished. I want to show you something else. But seriously, seriously, if you sit here and you have not been bathed in that blood, do it now. Like, uh, we'll shut it down and stop and pray with you because it is, it is absolutely, completely necessary for you to enter into that atonement. Because it is the only one capable of saving you from what you owe, which is death. Because it's already been paid. And I'm, I am completely serious. You're like, I don't know what that would look like. I don't, I don't care. I don't set up boohoo moments. It's like, seriously, if you want to enter into the blood of Christ, get up. This has prophetic implications as well. And I'm, I'm not playing. You can interrupt me anytime. Because if it's on you, you, you won't care that you interrupt me. When you see Jesus for real, you won't care about interruption. This has prophetic implications as well. Um, and I, w- I just want to show you this quickly. You can, you can uh, read it on your own. Because remember I told you that these feasts had fulfillment yet to come? And there is fulfillment of this feast yet to come because this is about atonement. And the Lord calls all of Israel as a nation to atonement. In Daniel chapter 9, he says that there's this amount of time uh, given for you. And one of those things that you have to do in that, and you can go read this. Go, go read this sometime today. It's called the 70 weeks of Daniel. It's a vision he has, and the Lord speaks to him and says, this is the appointed time um, for Israel. And one of, those things, one of those things is to anoint the Messiah, which is cool. It's going to happen. Israel will anoint the Messiah, the prince. Uh, and we, yeah, it's cool. Um, but the, uh, the other piece of this is, is to, uh, for there to be atonement, for, the, for them to end, for Israel as a nation, to end iniquity. Now, does that mean we don't, preach the gospel to, to Jews? No, I'm talking about Israel as a nation. For, for them to end iniquity. Now, watch this. There's a lot of, there's a lot of speculation, and I, I'm not, no man knows the time or the hour. I'm not saying that. Um, but there is a day when all of Israel is atoning for sin. There is a day when all of Israel comes before the Lord and is pleading for atonement. Zechariah 12.10, I, I do want you to see this. Zechariah 12.10 says, I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication so that they will look upon me whom they have pierced. And they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only son and they will weep bitterly over him like the bitter weeping over a firstborn. I believe scripture speaks of it and I believe we see here there, there is a day 
And, it, and the prophetic implications here, what, what we could be looking at in this feast, the fulfillment of this feast, we could very seriously be looking at the second coming of Christ on this day. Now, I'm not talking about rapture. Remember, there's a difference. There is a day when he will put his foot on the mountain. Mount of Olives. There's a path. You can go, you can go walk it. There's a path where he will walk into the city. And on that day, this is just cool, on that day, if that day truly is Yom Kippur, on that day, all of Israel will be mourning for their iniquity and, and he will enter the gate and they will look upon the one whom they have pierced, whom we have pierced. And I believe it is on that day uh, that they will anoint Messiah the Prince. There's a lot that goes before that. There's a lot that goes after that. I'm, I'm not pretending to be an expert, I, uh, but we can look at it. Read Daniel 9. You'll see, the, you'll see the order of what the Lord is requiring of Israel, but this has tremendous prophetic implications. There will be a day when the nation of Israel will be cleansed, and it will happen at the, one who, the only one who's capable of doing it. It won't be because they send another goat out. It will be because of Messiah, the prince. And they will look upon the one who is pierced, and he will pour out his spirit of grace. Come on. So, Lord, we're just like, I'm just heavy. <laughs> it's just weight, man. I just, every time I see the fullness of your truth, I just, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous how thorough you were on my behalf. Like, for real, the enemy cannot come to me with any accusation because you've left nothing out. I don't, ha I don't have to wrestle with, was it enough? Was it not enough? Am I saved? Am I not? It was enough. We just, we just saw it. Your blood, your sacrifice was enough. That's, and it's why it's not arrogant for you to say that there's only one name which can save because you're the only one that fulfilled the requirement. And I just pray we would see you that way. That we would know how saved and secure we really are because of your blood. And I pray that those who do not know that salvation not the Western world gimmicky Christian do your stuff right salvation, but the, the, the true atonement which comes by the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the perfect anointed Prince of Peace. I pray that those who do not know that Christ would come into relationship with him now. Holy Spirit, move on those hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.